0: welcome to blue talks thank you everybody I just want to I just want to say what an honor it is to be in a room with so many talented people really very passionate and caring people need more of that in this world today, by the way, we should get more people together like this, and spread them out into the universe, and, uh, start sharing with everybody the, the value of it. Uh, so, I'm just going to start a little bit because it's sort of emotional for me. This is a bit of a, uh, a homecoming. Uh, I've been living in Nova Scotia for 30 years. Uh, and uh, I went up there uh, 30 years ago on a transfer of technology with a company that you're going to hear a little bit about uh in my story uh and I was only supposed to go up there for about a year a little over a year and when I got up there I fell in love with Halifax Halifax Nova Scotia is is absolutely spectacular and it's uh just a wonderful place and it's like a mini Boston so it wasn't a stretch for me but uh ironically I also fell in love in Nova Scotia and Nova Scotian women do not transplant very well, so hence I've been up there for thirty years. So, uh, but it's been it's been an absolute uh, wonderful experience. Uh, just a few things so that you can understand who I am and where it's at. I was born, and she would know. I was born a little bit uh, south of here in a town uh, that was uh, Braintree. I was born in the South Shore Hospital. Uh, to uh, a family of, uh, I had uh, two older sisters, Dutchie and Lori, and an older brother, Skip, yep. uh, who spoiled the hell out of me constantly because I was the baby of the family. And I was uh, I was born to the parents of uh, Lillian and uh, Floyd Empey. And my dad was uh, quite a businessman and entrepreneur in the day. He was the creator of the Keystone Shoe Company of Boston. And that was a shoe company that really worked uh, in high-end Uh, high-end shoes and sold them all over the world. And in 1960, he sold the business and we moved down to a little small coastal town called Matapoiset, which is just down on the coast. And uh, that was where I grew up in my formidable years uh, as part of my life in one town over was the company that uh, I ended up working for. So what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you about the importance of mentors and then you know mentorship, because I had back in the day uh, met the greatest mentor in my life ever, and I had the blessing of having that individual enter my life at the absolute right time. It doesn't mean that great mentors cannot have an influence later on in your life, but to have it at such an early age, it was just a uh, life-changing for me. Uh, part of part of the process was I ended up I was in my was in the mid seventies uh, and I was in my uh, you know mid mid twenties maybe a little bit early twenties, and I got my first job because I needed money. So I ended up getting a job with this company called Sipican Ocean Systems, and man I was raking in the dough at about ninety five an hour. Couldn't believe <laughs> it. It was just fantastic. And so when I came on board with that organization, my history had always been I was spoiled. I was the baby in the family. I was, in essence, many times through high school, a star athlete, right? Always, you know, in, in the good steed. And it was always, unfortunately, about me. And so that wasn't necessarily a good thing, but it was what it was. And so when I came into this organization as an operator on the production floor, uh, I, I didn't want to be an operator. I, I, I wanted to run the company. You know, I was in my 20s, but I, I don't want to do this. I want to be an executive. So how was I going to get there? Well, some of the stuff that I've gone through and how I was handled and treated, it was to be the best, do the best, walk over everybody, because that's the way to get to where you want to, even if it means making them look bad. Now, that was the bad call. that was the bad call. <coughs> and so when I got in there, I basically did all the work that I could. I was making great ideas. I mean, I even stole a few, and then as I started to progress, they actually brought me into you know lead uh, uh, lead hand of the organization, uh, which was starting to move and it was doing you know, it was going very very well, and I continued that process, if you will, and even got somewhat antagonistic with the supervisors that were running the different departments. And I was the youngest in the organization because everybody in the organization was 20, 25 years older than me. And so as I continued to go through that path, I then became a supervisor. And the behavior didn't change. Now, as a CEO today, I would never accept this behavior. But for whatever reason, I was able to make it through. Why they kept me, I don't know. It had to be, obviously, some results, but that's a poor, poor assessment. But I believe that it was the greatest mentor of my life, and his name was Van Allen Clark. He <laughs> was the one that started Civic An Ocean Systems. It was his investment, his money. He had many different entities in uh, the New England area, and Civic An was one of them. And I wanted to be him. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to be him. I wanted his money, I wanted his stature. And so, you know, for me, I wanted to butter up. I wanted to be able to, to meet this guy and have you know, good conversations with him. And he wasn't around very often because he was always traveling around, but he did have an office. And every time he would come down into uh, the, the office, he would walk around the facility. That was his thing. When you saw Van, he knew he was in town because he would come out and talk to everybody in the building. And I would watch and I would start watching real closely, like, right? how, does, how does this king guy, you know, get everybody there, the palm of his hand, get these results. And it started to dawn on me that he walked around and talked to everybody in the building and it wasn't about him and it wasn't about the company, it was about them. It was about themselves and their families and, and their life and were they happy and you know what could we do better to make you happy in the organization and he had this innate ability he knew when he would walk around he knew everybody on a first name basis from the people that were in the maintenance department or cleaning the building on the production line or the vps as a matter of fact, he spent more time talking to employees than he did, I mean, than he did the, the higher executive. And he knew, their, he knew their spouses and significant others' first names. And I would dare say he probably knew their pets' names. I'm not sure on that one, but I'm taking a wild guess that, that he did. And because he was that way, it started to dawn on me that maybe I should think about that. And Dr. John, you brought up a good point. It's great to think that you're gonna do that, but it better be sincere and honest. It better be real. And so I decided I was gonna take that next step. And it didn't really go too well, as you imagine. You know, love it doesn't change its spots overnight. And so one time on, on his trip down, he could see that I wasn't doing very well. So I was getting very loose because I had the supervisors now that I was working with my peers, they didn't want anything to do with me. I had a team of 20 you know, ladies who were all 25 years older than me that knew my track record of how I got into that position. So I was already behind the gun, self-inflicted by the way. And so I was confused and I was getting a little bit demoralized. And Van took it upon himself to come and talk to me because he knew, I mean, he knew everything that was going on in the organization. And he said, uh, he, he had a conversation with me and it wasn't about me. He asked me about my team. He asked me about the operators. He asked me, how was I supporting them to help them get what they needed to get done? He asked me how I was doing with my peers, my fellow supervisors. How was the team gelling? How were you participating in that? What was what was happening with that? But it wasn't about me. And it dawned on me. Wow. All right.
1: Maybe that's why I'm
0: running into the roadblocks, because I told him I was running into these roadblocks. And he goes, well, I'm gonna give you some advice. First thing is, make sure you understand who you are. Okay, because nothing's going to change until you understand who you are. Doesn't mean you can't change, just means you need to know who you are. And then once you understand who you are, who you wanna be, and is it the same? And of course it wasn't, because that, bad Paul is gone and and I was it was an epiphany it was that paradigm shift that that's where the success comes from it comes from those around you that you help become successful and in that you will become successful it's just a mere fallout of it and so once I started to do that people started to get engaged they did see the sincerity and it truly was sincerity and I ate a lot of humble pie. And that's why you know when I said I was gonna talk about The Greatest Mentor, I had to talk about myself because you all had to understand where I came from. That journey's done. I buried the bad ball a long time ago, right? Because to be honest, what he taught me, I, I've just embraced so much. I have, I have two organizations that I'm now oversight of as CEO. And I know every single employee's first name in there. Their spouse's first name and just to do one up on on van i know some of the animals in the pets so uh and and what what helps is we have freezers and we name the freezes in our buildings and there's a lottery so that the so that the family and the employees can put the name in, in a lottery and then we name the freezes after the pet that helps i guess uh, you know with that so this was the this was the impact that, that this man had on me and i was able to get they promoted me to a manager and and I actually had turned it around to the point that, uh, that my operators and supervisors loved me. I was help, helping them be successful, suddenly they were reporting in to me and it wasn't like I was reporting because I wasn't managing anymore, I wasn't driving anymore. I was trying to lead, I was trying to help to get the, the success for all of them. And it really was the turning point, you know, in my life uh, that, that he gave me. Now. One of the things about Van was that he was so entrenched in the employees, you could never understand what was going on in his life. And he, you tried to ask, he didn't necessarily get because he didn't want to talk about his life. He wanted to talk about your life. And at that point in time, when the turnaround happened, I was loving every minute of the mentoring. He was just fantastic. But what we didn't know at the company and what I didn't know at the company was that he was battling cancer and he would not let any of us know, he kept it to himself, uh, but he was battling cancer and because of his means and, and, and quite honestly what he had the ability to do, he was also utilizing those means that he had to do experimental therapeutics back in the, back in the day and he was doing everything to try to, to beat, beat the cancer. And. <clears throat> The only time that it ever became uh, you know, relevant to our bar where you could see it was he used to throw the most extravagant Christmas parties for all the employees. Like, oh my God. We would have the old 60s you know, bands come in and play. And we had one, one uh, year there was over 600 people in this big, huge hall. And But that, that night, actually, because of my relationship with him, I could see something different. His energy was waning. We always used to love to see Van. We awaited we could not we could not wait for Van to walk in. And he would walk in with that strut of his, you know, because he wanted to dance with everybody out there. And he always wore, and yes, that's why this is on, he always wore a bright red dinner jacket with a bow tie, which was holly leaves and a berry. And we used to just have a blast. But that night you could tell that the energy was waning. And it wasn't there that far after that he passed away. I was devastated. I was devastated. I regressed. I went into depression. Because, and I was angry. Like, angry. Who was he to die on me? There's the selfless bad Paul again. As silly as that sounds. But who was he not to finish with me? I needed him. It's like, this is wrong. And it was my best friend that really sorta sucked me out of that. And that best friend was my mother. And she had had enough because I was going down a slippery slope uh, to wasting all of the many years with Van, And she recognized that. So I came home from work one day, stopped by the house to see my mother, and she caught me. And she is one of those women that have the thundering velvet hand, man. Just, she knew, you just knew that's, that, that was there was madness there. She was not happy. And she stopped me and she goes, you're gonna sit down here at the kitchen table right now, sit down at the kitchen table. And I was like, nah, sit down. Well. She was my best friend, but she was my mother, so I respected my mother greatly. She brought out a little yellow white piece of paper, you know, the old, the old style paper back from the 70s, and the yellow pencil with the eraser, right? All sharpened up, and she goes, you're gonna sit here, and I don't care how long it takes, you're gonna write down on that piece of paper everything that Van meant to you. Good, bad, what he told you, write everything that you can remember. And you're not getting up until you're done. And I grabbed the paper and I grabbed the pencil, sat there for about 10 minutes while my mother was off doing stuff in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, I started writing and writing and writing. And it was three hours later that I finished both sides of the paper. I could not stop writing about this man. And I put my pencil down almost like I was taking the test so the teacher knew that I was done. And my mother says, are you done? And I went, "Yep." I didn't even know my mobile. I didn't even know I was there three hours. And she goes, read it to me. So I read it to her. And at the end of that reading, she said, fold it up, put it on your desk at home. And when you go to work tomorrow morning before you leave and you have your coffee, open it up read it again and I said okay so open it up read it again that was the moment where Paul Wimpy not only grew up but had his life formed for the rest of his life because it dawned on me that I uh, the anger of him passing was silly because He wasn't done with me. He absolutely wasn't done with me. It was only the beginning of what he had for me in the journaling that I did that my mother forced me to do. And it was so revealing that to this day, I journal every day. Matter of fact, my children are fighting over who gets dad's journals because I've got journals after journals of my life. If anybody pulls out a book, you, you might, I'm all out there for for all to see. And it was the gift that my best friend and, and mother gave me was because she was a journaler. And that's how, she, that's how she got through the tough times when she could write those aspects of it. So part of why I tell this story. I'm actually writing a book now, and, and this is one of the chapters in, in my book, because uh, I've led a very interesting life, and I wanna share it, and I've had you know, lots of interesting times and some tremendous people, and I've got some great mentors in my life right now who I think uh, are just you know spectacular. I, I lean on them all the time, and I love to mentor with my mentees and, and have the conversations. And I also do a lot of leadership development, Uh, especially with young entrepreneurs what have you and by the way they've heard this story because this is a story they need to hear about uh, you know about what that's what that's all about but sort of what I want to finish off on is that and it goes back to what I would say at the leadership uh, you know training and and my employees and and all of that is play it forward we've all heard that Play it forward. You see, we all have the ability to influence. That can be positive or that can be negative. And depending on the people in your circle and in your life, they will respond, unfortunately, either way, because if it's the negative, they'll respond. But if it's the positive, fortunately, you can make a difference and I always tell people if you if you enjoyed my story about my mentor realize that you can be that to somebody 40 years later because he's never left I lean all the time on Ben and I'm going to close with with this aspect of it I have still that yellow paper. It's wrapped up in cellophane, plastic, and I can barely read through it and and it's all there. And I take it out every once in a while and read it. And you know when that is? It's when I start to regress because of what's going on in my world. And I will tell you, as the CEO of these two companies that I took seven years ago, I've taken it out many times as a reminder to, to Van's legacy. You're still with me, aren't you? Because on that paper, he meets me and he puts me at ease and he helps me make the right choices. I hope you enjoyed the story about my greatest mentor in my life. So thank you so much for taking the time. to